0: Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Good day, to you, Salem Alliance. Thanks for worshiping with us. Uh, you might want to grab your Bibles because we're going to be looking at First Corinthians chapter three here in a few moments. Also, want to give you a heads up that uh, in a little bit we're going to be celebrating communion together. So, if maybe if you're in your house church, uh, maybe uh, maybe you're watching alone, uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, maybe you want to get some communion elements together—some bread, some juice, some wine—and um, we'll remember our Lord's death. Just celebrating those those words we just sang, that Jesus paid it all. Hey, we're starting our series, our new series called Wind Powered. And I don't know what comes into your mind when you think about being powered by the wind. Maybe it's a sailboat plowing its way through, through waves. Maybe it's a kite surfer catching the wind on uh, the Columbia Gorge. Uh, maybe it's Wind turbines on the side of a hill that's capturing wind and then uh, transforming it into electricity to light up a city. There's so much that's powered by the wind. And there's some pretty creative thinkers in the country of Colombia, South America. They've actually figured a way to power a car by the wind. Check out this video.
1: The concept is very simple. When the auto is in movement, the air that enters this orifice goes from the side of the auto. Y en ese fluir de aire se pasa por un par de turbinas eólicas.
0: So pretty fascinating, a car powered by the wind. And uh and and yet All this sort of uh, different approaches to energy, when it comes to being powered by the wind, you you may not know that actually that's what you and I were designed to be like. We were originally created to be wind-powered. Now, I'm going to step over here into the classroom here for a second and uh, talk about this, because uh, this is an important foundation for us to have. You see, Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the world, they were wind-powered. They were they were made up of, of body, soul, and spirit. Uh, let me just kind of play this out for you, because uh, Adam and Eve had a, a spirit in them, uh, the Spirit of God, and um, God's breath in them. and And the, the original language, the word is pneuma, uh, that, that it was a spiritual relationship they had with God, uh, literally spirit communing with spirit, and uh, that part of them was alive and well, and they had what is called a suke or a soul. You can probably see the English word psyche uh, in, in this, exactly where our word, this English word comes from. Adam and Eve had a spirit, they had a soul, the mind, will, and emotions, and of course they had a physical body. Uh, in the Greek language, it's the word sarks. Now, they were spirit-led, and I'm going to take this hat here, I'm going to place it right here on top of the pneuma, because they were literally spirit-led people. They were keeping in step with the spirit, and, uh, and this was how they were designed from the very beginning. This was God's intention for us. But, as you know, sin entered the world, and Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that, that when sin entered the world, we actually became spiritually dead. Adam and Eve, they actually had their spirit die, and this hat of leadership moved to the soul, or to the suke. and friends, this is the day that humanism was born. This is the day that we started doing what was right in our own eyes. And uh, this is what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, fast forward to John chapter 3, and Jesus is having a conversation with a spiritual leader. His name is Nicodemus, and Jesus is explaining to them how someone enters the kingdom of heaven. And he says to Nicodemus that you must be born again. Of course, Nicodemus is confounded by this statement. He can't quite figure it out. What is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about, I I need a a physical rebirth? And Jesus says, no, it's, you know, spirit gives birth to spirit. There actually is this, this work of the Holy Spirit in which you need to be born again. What he's saying is you need your spirit to come alive again. And Jesus says, anyone who believes in me, they will be born again. And so when you give your life to Jesus Christ, what happens is Spirit gives birth to Spirit, that the pneuma in you comes alive again, and you indeed are born again. But catch this, the hat of leadership is still here on the suke, meaning that when we are born again, yes, God's Spirit enters into our life. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit within you. And yet this process of us becoming more like Christ, this process of, of working out our salvation is actually moving leadership back from what we think is right to being spirit-led again. And if you can sort of keep that picture in your mind, then I think you'll get a sense for the foundation that I'm trying to set here when we talk about being wind-powered. That we are born again. We are new followers of Jesus Christ, and there's a part of it. It's come alive again. But here's what you're gonna hear in a few moments. What you're gonna hear is that you can be a Christian and still not be empowered by the wind. The Spirit of God is in you as a Christian. It would be impossible to be a Christ follower, a follower of Jesus without the Holy Spirit in you. He does the work of regeneration, the work of rebirth. Yet many of us are not powered by the Spirit, we're powered by other things. So I want to invite you, grab your Bibles, We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and this morning, as we read these first 15 verses, I'm I'm thrilled because there's a house church that's going to read the scripture for us. This is a house church that meets on Thursday nights. It's a young adult's house church, and Abigail and Claire and Paige are going to read the text for us, and I want to encourage us to follow along as they do.
1: My name is Abigail and we're here at House Church and we're gonna be reading 1 Corinthians 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you and I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the day of judgment, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames.
0: And this is God's holy word. So here's what I want to say to you today. It is possible for you to be a Christian and not be empowered by a Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in you as a Christ follower. But oftentimes there's other impulses at work within us that power the way we live. And Paul, right from the very beginning, says, I wanted to talk to you as spiritual people. uh, But I I couldn't. I I need to talk to you as as worldly. And and what Paul is saying, spiritual people in the original text, the the language that was written in originally was Greek. That is the word pneumaticos. And you can see the English word pneumatic or wind-powered, air-powered. And Paul is saying, look, I wanted to come talk to you but, and talk to you as someone who is wind-powered, but you're not wind-powered. And so this morning, what I want to do is I talk, as we think about this idea, uh, as Noah led us about building on a foundation, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about a foundation we're building on that person, the person who is the foundation is Jesus Christ, and we're all building on him, and yet... There's three kinds of builders, and I want to introduce them to you because they talk about the three kind of uh, ways we live out our life and the, th- the things that empower us. So I just want to introduce them to you, and the first builder, the first person, the kind of person I want to introduce you to is Mr. and Mrs. Sarkinos. Now, the word Sarkinos is literally the word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. I wanted to talk to you as someone who is spiritual, but you are worldly. Sarkinos is translated into worldly. Mister and Missus Sarkinos are not empowered by the wind. They're actually empowered by the the old sinful nature. That that the old impulses are alive and well there in them. And Paul, in Galatians chapter five, he actually plays this out for us. And I want to I want to read this uh, this text for us because this describes Mister and Missus. Sarkinos, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. The words on the screen. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, uh, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mr. and Mrs. Sarkinos are empowered by the, the old you, the, the person that you were before you were introduced to Jesus Christ. And that old sinful nature is alive and well, and it is the one determining, it's setting the sail for the direction in their life. Uh, My father-in-law lives on a a fairly large piece of property uh, in Hood River, Oregon. And when Trina would visit uh, them, uh, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law in in, in the summer, you know, we sit on the porch in the summer and my father-in-law has this massive bug zapper. You know the, the bug zapper with the big blue light, and as we're sitting there and the sun is setting, the bugs are coming in. They're attracted to the blue light, and you can hear the snap and the and the crack and the fizzle as bugs are they're getting close to that light and they they they, they touch it and they touch that electrified part of the of the bug zapper, and they fall to the tray. It's like a cemetery for insects uh, there underneath that that big bug zapper. And I find it fascinating that you know bugs and insects can be kind of circling the, the, the bugs after the blue light. And it doesn't matter if Uncle Buzz is laying in the tray with smoke coming out of his thorax, there's something within the insect's mind that has to get close to the blue light. Friends, that's Mr. and Mrs. Sarkinos. That's the person who's empowered by the old sinful nature. And some of us, the old sinful nature is still calling the shots. Here's the second uh, person that I want to introduce to you. It's Mr. and Mrs. Suchekos. Uh Now, this word Sukekos, it, it's, it's a word that literally means this is someone who is unspiritual. Uh, in some translations, uh, it says this is the natural man. This is the person who's mind powered. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, uh, Paul is saying, he's saying, look, I, I wanted to talk to you as as spiritual, but actually, uh, you're, you're unspiritual. It's just this this person who is doing what's right in their own eyes. It's uh, the person committed to self-determination, self-preservation. This is the person who, when they hear scripture like, you walk by faith and not by sight, there's this tension that builds within them that it's like, wait a minute, I I don't know if I can do that. It's because they're they're driven by what makes sense to them. Mr and Mrs. Sukikasa are, are are not empowered necessarily by the sinful nature. They're empowered by their own wisdom. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, begins talking about this person, uh, this Sukaikos person, in chapter 3 of, of his book. And listen to these words that the, that the brother of Jesus speaks in chapter 3. Uh, we'll just pick it up here where it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. That's that word, sukekos. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Now, there's a strong word. Because what what Paul what James is saying the brother Jesus is saying in that sense is that you know there's this spiritual wisdom but then there's an earthly wisdom and this earthly wisdom actually it's, it's you know doing what's right in my own mind and it it produces disunity. One of the if you if you search in you and you study the natural man the person who's thinking about what's right in their own eyes oftentimes the, the, the primary marker of their life, the fruit in their life, ends up being divisiveness, dissension, and disunity. And what James is saying is, look, if you're Mr. Mississouk and you're living in, in that way and, and you're producing disunity and dissension, congratulations that you are living out the mission and vision of hell. He calls it demonic. You may remember the name Pat Tillman, uh, Pat Tillman was an NFL player, a star, and after 9-11, uh, patriotism, a uh, spirit of patriotism was sweeping across our nation, and Tillman enlisted in the army. He became a, a, a ranger, and, uh, and, and he went to fight in Afghanistan, serving in Afghanistan, and, and he was killed in Afghanistan, not by an enemy, he was actually killed by American soldiers, It was a firefight, it was friendly fire, it was a mistaken identity and uh, people started sniping and shooting and uh, taking pot shots at him and he was crying out and saying, I'm on the same side with you. But Tillman lost his life due to friendly fire. In military terms, it's called fratricide. It literally means to kill your brother. Friends, this is what Mr. and Mrs. Sukikos often end up doing. They have their way of doing things. They see things from their perspective. And when someone differs with them, the the sniping begins, the pot shots, the, the, the firing begins to happen. And that's exactly what's happening in the Corinthian church. Because you have factions that are developing. You have people who are saying, oh, I follow Paula, so I follow Peter, I, I, I follow Paul. And, and Paul is saying, Look, you are being empowered by your own psyche, your Mr. and Mrs. Sukhakos. You're going with what's natural to you, and I want you to be spiritual. Friends, you can be a Christian, you can be a follower of Jesus Christ, and be empowered by the old sinful nature, like Mr. and Mrs. Sarkinos. You can be empowered by your own wisdom, what you think is right, Mr. and Mrs. Soukakos, Or you can be the person that Paul is attempting to encourage this, this church to grow into, as Mr. and Mrs. Pneumatikos. These are the wind-powered people. These are the people who who have they put to death the old sinful nature. They're working out their salvation. They're they're no longer giving in to the, the old impulses. And and with their minds, they're they're yielding, they're they're thinking, they're embracing the ethos of the kingdom of heaven. They're living out these unusual statements that Jesus says when he says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't repay evil with evil. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pneumatico, are the wind of the spirit is filling them and, and leading them to keep in step with Jesus, to keep in step with the spirit. And people who are wind-powered, you know, when we think about someone who's wind-powered, we think of someone who's maybe anointed, and there's, there's, you can tell God's presence and power on them. And we think about being wind-powered people, oftentimes when it comes to following Jesus or keeping in step with the Spirit, we think about the big decisions in life. You know, should I marry that person? Should I take that job? Should I move to that city? Should I, should this, this, this large, Jesus, what, this large decision, Jesus, what do you want me to do? But what we find out is actually the wind powered individual understands that it's in the day to day walking with Jesus that the wind blows in ways that incredible things can happen. Uh, Friends, I want want you to watch this video. Uh, Jennifer Roth tells a story of a moment that she had in which what seemed right to her in her own mind was in conflict with what she was experiencing, the wind of his spirit nudging her to do. And I think you'll get a sense of what I'm after as you watch this video.
1: So in the fall of 2004, when my boys were babies, uh, I went on a trip with the women's group uh, here from Salem Alliance to West Africa to take women's retreat to the international workers there. So as we were getting ready for that trip, we all got a job and my job was to do the craft. Uh, Part of the craft, I needed Dixie cups. So I headed to Winco with my two baby boys, one and three-year-olds, to get Groceries and pick up the Dixie cups for this trip. So as you can imagine, in Winco with a cart with two baby boys in it, I'm in a bit of a hurry, and I'm I'm hustling through the aisle and paper products. And I reach up and I grab Dixie cups, and I I really don't even slow down. I put them in the cart, and something rises up inside me. It's a catch in my spirit, and I've learned to pay attention when that happens. And and so I thought, okay, well maybe God's telling me something, and and then the logical part of my brain says, why would God be telling me something about Dixie cups? But I've learned to pay attention. So I put those Dixie cups back on the shelf and I, I grab a different box of Dixie cups and I still have no peace about the Dixie cups. And, and this, I just am wrestling in my head with God, why does it matter what Dixie cups I get? And Jennifer, are you crazy? Is this even God? But I'm having this moment in the Winco aisle and, and I just have no peace about the Dixie cups that I'm buying. So, I put that box back up and I grab a different box and, and by now I'm a little angry. I, I kind of throw it in my cart and I say, I don't care what I feel, I'm getting out of this aisle and I'm, I I leave the Dixie Cups and I can't get out of the aisle at WinCo. God won't let me out of the aisle, the, the pressure is so great, these are the wrong Dixie Cups, the pressure is great, am I losing my ever-loving mind? And I go back to those Dixie Cups. I put that box on the shelf, I reach as far back as I can, I grab the last box I can reach, I drop it in my cart, and total peace settles over me. I don't know what's wrong with me, I don't know if it was God or not, but I'm finally leaving that aisle at Winco, I finish my shopping, and I forget all about it. So fast forward a month or two to when we're actually in West Africa with the women. We've been having this women's retreat with international workers and we've finished the craft. So we're cleaning up the craft room and there's a few of the women there with us and I got an extra stack of Dixie cups that I don't need to pack home with me. So I say, does anybody want these Dixie cups? One of the international workers says, Oh, I can take those. She walks over, she looks at the stack and she goes, Oh, these are perfect. They're blue and I needed cups for my son's birthday party. And that instant, the wrestling match in the Winco aisle came flooding back to me. I grabbed her by the shoulders and I said, God wouldn't let me out of the aisle of Winco until I bought those Dixie cups. And as the tears filled her eyes, and we both just had this moment of realizing that God was paying attention to her months before in a way that I could have never known. And as a matter of fact, as that retreat ended, that particular international worker shared with us that before we had ever come, she had had a conversation with God. And she had said, I am so tired. I am so weary. God, do you even see me in this dry and weary land? I'm dying on the the vine as I try to work for you in this place, and do you even know that I am here parched and weary? Do you see me, God? And across the ocean, thousands of miles away, God had me stop in the Winco Isle to get the right color of Dixie Cups to show this precious international worker that yes, indeed, he did see her.
0: As I listened to Jennifer tell that story, that that just that you can feel the tension. She's literally saying, Am I losing my ever-loving mind? See, this is the tension. She's in a winco aisle, and her her mind, her mind was her her wisdom saying, It doesn't matter what Dixie cups I get, yet she's sensing a nudge of the spirit. That actually there's a certain color Dixie cup that the Spirit of God wants her to get. Now, it just seems like ridiculous. I mean, what? Really, God? That's that—that's what you want to have happen today? But Jennifer doesn't know that halfway across the world, there's a woman, an international worker praying, God, do you see me? I'm tired. I'm weary. And on the other side of the world, there's a battle in the mind and the Spirit going on so that someone else can see that God, yes, does see you. And the decision to take what might seem like not making sense and follow the nudge of a Spirit is a move to being wind-powered. Friends, yes, oftentimes it's in the big decisions that we're making that we're, we're wanting to pay attention to what God is saying to us. But I want to suggest to you that God is always at work he's he's always has says he's always saying things uh, to us he's walking in the garden each day in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve he has things he wants to say to us and the fact of the matter is is that uh, some of us are empowered by the old us the people we were before we encountered who Jesus is some of us are empowered by what we think i find myself here so often This is the way I see it. This is my opinion. And I can get pretty locked into what I think is right. Yet what we're going to see in this series is how God is moving us to be a people who are powered by the wind. And we have to simply acknowledge and confess that you can be a Christian and not be empowered by the wind. We can be empowered by the old us. We can be empowered by what makes sense to us. But Jesus is wanting us to be empowered by what makes sense to him. See, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as, as, uh, as, as Paul is talking about this, he says, you know, who knows the thoughts of a man but the spirit within him? Here's what Paul's saying. The only person who knows what you're thinking is you, your spirit. And then he goes on, and who knows the thoughts of God but the spirit of God? Well, the only one who knows what God is thinking is God's spirit. Uh, but then Paul says something seismic. He says, but God's spirit lives in you and you have the mind of Christ. Literally, should God choose to reveal it, you can know what God is thinking, even about seemingly insignificant things like Dixie cups in a Winco aisle. So let me just wrap up with a couple questions and then a practical way that we can begin this journey of being people who are powered by the wind. And then we'll take communion together. Here's the first question I want to run by you. Does this idea, does is it, is it threaten you or does it thrill you? I mean, you get a sense of, does this excite you to be a person who's empowered by the wind that God could use you in such a way? Or does it maybe cause some fear? Maybe it, it causes some anxiety arise. Do you feel threatened by it? And if you do feel threatened, don't, don't, don't go to a bad place on that. See it as an invitation from God. An invitation from God to let go of the old impulses, to let go of what you think is right, and to listen and hear what's on God's mind. But the reality is, is we have to identify, does this threaten us or does this thrill us? Paul, writing to a house church in Rome, house churches in Rome, writes these words in Romans chapter 12. and perfect. Hear the invitation to offer your body as a living sacrifice, to renew your thinking and to renew your mind, and not to be pressed into the mold of what the world is saying. See, here's what the world is saying. is saying, be you. Go with the natural impulses. Go with what you think is right. But we can see what that leads to is disunity and fragmentation. So does it thrill you or does it threaten you? And if it does sound scary. It, it can feel that way, but see it as an invitation from God to be wind powered. Here's a second question that I think is important for us to ask in this moment. In any way, are you in any way contributing to disunity or division? Am I in any way making a contribution to divisiveness or dissension or disunity? Is Mr. or Mrs. Sukekos alive and well in me? Am I, am, am I opinionated? Am, am I writing? Am I speaking? Am I saying things that, that are actually, well, in some ways, am I sniping? Am I taking pot shots? Am I, am I committing fratricide by taking shots of those who are in the family? That's what's happening in the church of Corinth. There's, there's infighting going on. There's, there's a sense of, well, I'm right. No, I'm right. And friends, in these days, especially in these weeks leading up to, a, to an election, there's a lot of opinions out there. And we have to make sure that we are people who are wind-powered, who don't let our opinions end up creating division that drives the body of Christ apart from each other. We have to remember that James says disunity is demonic. And so I have to ask myself, We need to ask ourselves, am I in any way contributing to disunity? And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, sometimes you're thinking you can be right on, you can be dead on, and someone else could could be wrong. And it's a story, like I find in Numbers chapter 12, that actually sort of recalibrates my thinking. You get... Aaron and Miriam who are coming to Moses and they're going to confront, confront Moses. And I actually think Miriam and Aaron have a case. I, I think they, they, they might be right. But the way, they do it, the way they do end up confronting Moses teaches a principle, read the story, that you could be 100% right and still be wrong, especially when it divides the body. So friends, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I in any way contributing to division and dissension and here's one practical way we can begin walking with the wind let the wind of the spirit be at our back and it's simply this practice get into this practice of when when you wake up in the morning and your feet first hit the ground to simply say good morning holy spirit For for a long season in my life, as I was trying to learn how to be a wind-powered person, this was a practice I engaged in. My feet hit the floor. The first thing I say is, good morning, Holy Spirit. And I just paused for 30 seconds. wasn't a long time, but I just paid attention to little nudges, a song perhaps God put on my heart in the morning, a passage of Scripture, a picture that comes to my mind. Sometimes nothing came to my mind but the desire for a cup of coffee, but just that practice of saying good morning Holy Spirit reminded me that this day needed to be empowered by the Spirit, by the wind of God. I didn't want to be empowered by the old me, the you know Mr. and Mrs. Sarkinos. I didn't want to be empowered by necessarily what, was, what I thought was right, Mr. and Mrs. Sukikos. I want to be a man who is wind powered. And I know that's your desire too. I don't think there's anyone watching that doesn't want to be empowered by the wind. So one simple practice that we can engage in is just as soon as our feet hit the ground in the morning, try this this week, and just hands open, good morning, Holy Spirit. You can be a follower of Christ and not be empowered by the wind. But the invitation to us in this series is to be a wind-powered people. Now, I want to transition us to communion. And this comes in so clearly for us in the life of Jesus. You're probably aware that Jesus said these words. It's found in the Gospel of Mark. It's also found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's what I want you to hear. Do you know that when Jesus says that he's going to give his life as a ransom for many, he never uses the word life in a sense that means his physical body. He never says, I'm going to lay down my physical body for others. Now, he does, okay? So, relax. He definitely does lay down his physical body. But actually, what's interesting to note is if you look at this text and you read it in the original language, is that when he says, I'm going to lay down my life, he says, I'm going to lay down my suke. Let me read it again for us. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his suke as a ransom for many. Think about it. Jesus goes to the cross by first laying down his natural way of thinking. And then he extends an invitation to us in Matthew chapter 10. He says, he says these words. He says, whoever tries to save his life, whoever tries to save his suke will actually lose it. But whoever loses their (laughs) suke will find it. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, Look, we've got our own way of thinking about doing things, and Jesus is and he's calling us to embrace a new kind of thinking. And sometimes it can feel like you're losing your suitcase, it can feel like you're losing your mind. Like a story Jennifer told me like, I'm losing it here in a winko aisle. Friends, the Spirit of God often calls us to do things that don't make sense to our minds. Think about Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Just before he's arrested, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what is he doing? He's praying, and he's saying to the Father, Father, if there's another way for this to happen, let's do that. That's his mind speaking, right? He knows the horror. He he knows the the torture that he's about to walk into. But then he does something. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. Ah, he's laying down his life. And he's going to go to the cross so that you and I have the potential to be born again, to live a wind-powered life that we were designed to live. Friends, in a few moments, I'm going to lead us in taking the elements together. If you haven't already, I encourage you to grab some bread, some juice. And I want to ask you something is, Is there anything that Jesus is asking you to lay down? Maybe it's a natural impulse, the old sinful nature strongly at work in you. Maybe it's something you've been thinking about. In these moments as we prepare our hearts to celebrate and remember what Jesus has done for us, what is it that he's asking us to lay down? As the team leads us now, would you just enter into the time of preparation as we get ready to take communion together? Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.